Be delighted this holiday season at Ice and Lights, the winter village at Cameron Run. Just minutes from Old Town Alexandria. Stroll through the park and enjoy winter photo ops, light displays, hot chocolate, and a warm treat. The winter village offers playtime for the entire family. Extend the magic of the holidays by visiting early, starting November 17th. Get your tickets now at CameronIceandLights.com. That's CameronIceandLights.com. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, the people's bishop and pastor of Harvest Church. We exist to lead people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church in global locations. Find out more on our website at www.harvestchurch.church or get our app by texting the word HARVEST to the number 877-552-4746. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Now here's today's life-giving message. For God's glory, this is my best year yet. To the word I'm about to hear, I believe, I obey, I manifest, and that settles it. In Jesus' name, amen. So God, speak to us now with clarity, speak to us with strength, speak to us with power. We tell you, sir, we are open and we are ready. Tonight, we're going to learn it doesn't take as long for us to become who you desire for us to be. And I pray that tonight many people will experience suddenly in becoming that fear that was on them tonight. That by the time they wake up, that fear is gone. That questions that were on them tonight, by the time they wake up, those questions are answered. Somebody say, I am becoming. Say it again, I am becoming. 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 Now put a praise behind that right there, Wednesday. Becoming what? Everything God created you to be? Becoming what? The curse breaker God created you to be? Becoming what? The debt free man God created you to be? The debt free woman God created you to be? The head and not the tail he created you to be? Above only and never beneath that he created you to be? Line crosser, boundary breaker, history maker that he created you to be? We say, say it one more time, I am becoming. Let's go. This is the last message in our series, Daddy Issues. And we've been revealing and healing some of the issues that have been embedded in your individuality because we all have known or hidden daddy issues because of how we were shaped. And shaped is different than being shaped. Shaped is an old English word that appears in the King James translation of the scripture. You know, the ones with the these and the thous. And so and so begot so and so and so and so begot so and so. Um, this word shaped is different than shaped because shaped can happen in an instant. You can have one thing that changes you and changes you forever. You can have one traumatic experience that shifts the whole trajectory of your life. But to be shaped, it means that this is a process. It means this happened over time. And David, the psalmist in Psalm 51 5, 
David, not only the psalmist, David the king, David the prophet, David the musician. See, David was more than just one dimension. Look at me, just like you. You are not boxed in to who you were. You are not boxed in to what you used to do. What if these next six months you were going to be doing stuff you never thought you'd be doing? What if in these next six months you were going to be living somewhere you never thought you would be living? What if in these next six months everything you've had to fight for you were finally about to possess it? I just need to make sure I got faith in the room and faith online that believe that if God had David doing multiple things, God's going to have you doing multiple things. You're not just somebody's mama. You're a mama and a business owner and a curse breaker and you're not just somebody's daddy. You are daddy and a boss and a leader and a man of God. Somebody say, there's more to me than what you see. I David, he makes a mistake, though. David does something he ought not do, and it was in his bloodline to do because in David's bloodline, you discover that they often get distracted when they get successful. And you begin to see that in David's bloodline, uh, there is a woman named Rahab. And Rahab, uh, she was known for being a madam. Uh, what does that mean, Bishop? It means she wasn't uh, just the prostitute. Uh, she had a team of prostitutes. W watch me. She was a businesswoman. She just wasn't in the right business. And I don't know who this is for. I just heard God say, in the next six months, he's going to legitimize your hustle. I, I don't know who that's for. But for somebody in the next six months, what you do is going to be profitable for you. What you do is going to bring increase for you. What you do, you ain't going to be selling it out your trunk and selling it. I'm not saying nothing to me. Tell somebody next to you, say he's going to legitimize your hot side hustle. He and it ain't going to be your side hustle no more. It's going to be your primary income. And and it ain't going to be your side thing anymore. It's going to be the number one way that you produce income. Can you just speak this over somebody in your section and just tell them, say, he's going to legitimize your hustle. I... You were doing it for fun, but you're about to do it and build a million dollar. Oh, my God. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but in these next six months, you're finally going to do what you were created to do. You're finally going to do what you were born to do. You're finally going to do what God made you to do. Come on, say it. Wednesday said, these next six months. David, 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 in his bloodline is Rahab. And Rahab, there is this sexual promiscuity that enters David's bloodline and this sexual promiscuity, it carries through his bloodline. And so David, I've taught you all throughout this series and used him as an example, that David, one day in the springtime when he's supposed to be out fighting battles, because springs went out to fight during the springtime, what ends up happening? And he stays home. He's not where he's supposed to be. And I pray that in these next six months, watch me, that you're exactly in the right place at the right time around the right people. Why? Because if I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people, I'm not going to make the wrong decision. I because he's in the wrong place at the wrong time around the wrong people, what happens? He looks over and sees Bathsheba. Bathsheba is married. She's fine, but she's married, which means she's off limits, David. David, you have everything that you could possibly want. Why do you have to go get Mr. Biggs, girl? Yeah. And sometimes you have to be careful because the enemy, watch me, if you don't realize you're a curse breaker, you will begin to have desires for things that you don't even really need, but you're bored. 
You'll begin to have desires for things that you don't even really crave, but because you're bored, you start texting who you ought not text. You start reaching for who you ought not reach for. You start doing what you ought not do. I pray in these next six months, you're so busy being productive that you don't have time for boredom to reach for the wrong things. So he reaches for Bathsheba, and in this, Bathsheba's married to one of his mighty men. His mighty man's name is, you remember? Uriah. Um, and David goes through this whole conspiracy to try to set Uriah up. First, he tries to make it seem like it was Uriah that got Bathsheba pregnant. That didn't work. Then he puts Uriah on the front end of the battle. So that Uriah ends up being murdered by David's decree, by David's scandal. And for some of you, you don't even know that there's people who are smiling in your face. But they're trying to set you up secretly. So I pray not only does God expose their plan, but I pray that their plans blow up in their face. I pray that the ditch they dug for you is the ditch they got to go lie in themselves. God's about to make your enemy wish they never ever mess with you in the first place. So, so the first child between David and Bathsheba doesn't make it because this is the judgment of the Lord. God says, I love you, David, but there must be a price to pay because you did not listen, so you must experience loss. Loss will teach you to listen more than anything else will. Can I get some witnesses on this Wednesday night? How many of you have to lose some things? And, and, and once you lost it, you were like, I bet y'all listen next time. Here's what we say. Had I known then what I knew now. Can we be honest though? The truth is you probably wouldn't have done it then because there was something about you that thought that you knew the answer even though you didn't. So here's why I need you to rejoice. Is that, watch me, since you still have a pulse, that means God says, I gave you the lesson and the lesson came through loss. But I bet you're not going to make that mistake again. For every person that believes the mistakes of your first six months are not going to be repeated in your next six. For the mistakes of your life up to this point are not going to be repeated. I need you to open your mouth and release a praise for three seconds. Right there. Go. Three. Two. One. Say, I won't make that mistake again. I. So when David makes this, this, this mistake, he send, God sends a man of God. And understand this, sometimes you can't let the enemy play this game with you that when you've done something wrong that you run from church, that you run from God, that you run from your man of God. Why? Because in the scripture, anytime they did wrong, God would send the man of God to say, I ain't done with you, but here's how we got to get this thing together. So what did David do? Uh, what did the Lord do? The Lord sent Nathan the prophet to David and said, you're the king and God loves you so much. He sent me to you to tell you this is what has to happen. You're going to recover, but we're going to have to deal with this loss. You're still a man after God's own heart. And I don't know who needs to hear this. God has not changed his mind about you. I know you made some mistakes. I know you screwed up. I know you wasted a lot of time. But can I tell you, what if the next six months God was going to make up for your wasted time? A few weeks ago, I was on a plane. And when I was on a plane, uh, I'll be on one in the morning too. A few weeks ago, when I was on a plane, that we left late. We left real late. And I was mad, to be honest with you. Not even low-key mad. Um, I, I was just mad, mad. Because I was like, now I did all that rushing to get here. And see, some of y'all, you know, you're a two-hour early type person. I understand that. How many of y'all, you're a two-hour early type? You want to sit there and look at the people and have your little snacks and things. I'm not about that life. If the plane boards at 6.30, I want to be walking up at 
That's me. That's why I have pre-check. That's why I do what I do. That's why I have a whole system together. You understand? I don't want to be there at 530 talking about, oh, I'm just sitting around. I don't want to do that. That's not me. Okay? You do you. That's for me. That's what I'm going to do. Mm. So, so I did all of this to get there, and I did all this to get there, and I, and I was kind of rushing a little bit. You know how you got your airport rush where it's not quite a run, it's not quite a walk, it's kind of a. I get to the gate, we're good, everything's good. Then we sit on that plane for 30 minutes. And so I'm, I'm not low-key mad, I'm mad mad. Because I'm like, now y'all could have told me if you was going to be late today. Now obviously I'm being funny, they couldn't have done that. Here's the point. Here's the point, he says, we want to apologize everybody. Um, there were some other people um, that were ahead of us to depart. In other words, there were other people that were in our lane. God had to clear the lane so that we could take off. I don't know who this is for. God's been clearing some stuff out of the way. Because you're about to take off. Since you wouldn't quit them, he made them quit you. Y'all not go Since you wouldn't relieve the message, God had to put the message right in front of your face. Because God says, I'm clearing the way. Can you prophesy to somebody next to you in the building? Touch them on the shoulder. Say, you've been cleared for takeoff. I, come on, Wednesday. Say, you've been cleared for takeoff. But then, but then, but then, um, he said, there were some people in our way. And we, we, couldn't, we couldn't take off. Here's what he said. He said, but no worries. He says, I'm still going to get you there early. He says, I'm going to make up for it in the air. And some of y'all, you're so focused on what has not gone right. You're so focused on what has not gone according to schedule that you don't recognize if you'll just bust a move. God says, I'll make up for this thing in the air. I'm talking to somebody tonight that knows that if you just bust a move, God's going to make up for your lost time. Make up for your lost money. I need you to open up your mouth so he's going to make up for it in the air, in the air, in the and I won't be late. I'll be right on time. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, let's go. This is what happens in Psalm 51.5. I feel like preaching a little bit tonight. In Psalm 51.5, this is what Nathan says. He says, and this is David's response to the prophet Nathan. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. And we've all been shapen in iniquity, which is sin and transgression from what we've seen and what's been spiritually passed down and around. Now, I gave you all of that exciting information just a moment ago to let you know that even though we've been shaping in iniquity, it has not changed, watch me, God's plan for your life. See, what you think disqualifies you is exactly why God picked you. Because David is the only man that the Lord says, that's a man after my own heart. He lied. Watch me. He cheated. Watch me. He was a heartbreaker, a deceiver. He did all kind of scandalous, ratchet behavior. But no matter that, God says, but David, here's what you know how to do. You know how to repent. And I think there's some of us in the building that can say, yep, I mess up, but you know what I know how to do? I know how to fix it fast. I, I don't sit around in no low place. I'll go to the Lord and say, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned. So what happens? Because we've all been shaping in iniquity by what we've seen. You saw your mama do it. You saw your father do it. You saw your daddy do it. You saw your friends do it. You saw your cousins do it. And what we've not seen, but it's been spiritually 
passed down and around. Which is why I say to you, be careful who you're around. Because sometimes, watch me, you need to know that spirits transfer. Uh, I think it was in prayer, maybe it was last night on the message preview, I talked about this Denzel Washington movie called uh, Fallen. And it's about this fallen angel and how he, pos uh, he possessed this man. And this man literally was a serial killer. And at his death, he made it his business to assign himself to get the man that caught him. And so the spirit jumps from this serial killer and it begins to jump around with the intentions of getting this man and his family. He recognizes he can't get the man except by invitation. So he gets people close to the man to try to get to the man. Y'all better hear me tonight. So you got to be careful who's around you because the enemy knows he can't touch you. You're like Job. There's a hedge of protection that's around you. So since he can't get you, he tries to get close to somebody uh, that's around you and somebody that's close to you to try to transfer something negative to you. Please understand, you've got to learn how to be, take authority in the spirit. What does that mean? When you see somebody is off, when you see something's not right, you need to say, wait a minute, I don't know what your little problem is, but i tell you what we're about to do. We're about to shut that down and we're about to pray that down because you ain't going to be in my atmosphere bringing this. I need some of y'all to scare some people tomorrow when they come to you with that rah, rah, rah and say, no, 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 no. We're about to shut that down. I, I need you to practice with somebody on your road. Touch them on the shoulder and say, shut it down. Shut it down online. Tell them, shut it down. Don't come in with all of that. Right plan, wrong man. There's some things that are passed around, some things that are passed down. And watch what the scripture says, Proverbs 10, 29. Destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. What does that mean? Someone who practices generational curses. And what is a generational curse? It's a destructive pattern of behavior that's passed what? And what? Around Now, look at this. The Bible says, Numbers 14, 18, he will by no means clear the guilty, which means that uh, patterns perpetuate unless they're broken. What does this mean? God forgives you, but forgiveness does not fix the pattern that you've introduced. God can forgive you. And I use this example. I'll use it again um, uh, uh, from Harlem Nights. You can shoot somebody in their pinky toe. And if you shoot somebody in their pinky toe, hear me clearly Wednesday. Uh, that's me. They can forgive you for shooting them in their pinky toe. But guess what they still have? A hole in their pinky toe. It's the same principle. God can forgive you, but what you set into motion stays in motion. Stays in motion until it gets to you. And you're looking at this person with the graduation hat on. Because for some of you tonight, you're graduating from the old you. I, I'll preach to my digital people if y'all ain't going to say nothing. For some of you, tonight God says you finally passed the test. You're about to graduate to the next version of yourself. If you think I might be speaking to you, open your mouth and say, it's my graduation night. I, you ready? All right, so look at this, look at this, look at this. It says, it will go on. He'll visit the iniquity of the fathers, that's the prior generations, onto the children, to the third and fourth generation. And in Sunday's message, Living Like a Curse Breaker, we saw Moses, a great man of God, um, that literally wrote the first five books of the Bible that are referred to as Torah. Uh, we saw Moses who lifted his hands and his worship parted the Red Sea. We saw Moses who, when they had no bread, prayed for bread and manna came out of heaven. 
when they had no water, well, he didn't handle that one too right. But when they had no water, he still got them some water. I mean, their shoes didn't wear out. We saw Moses who walked up uh, the mountain of God and got the Ten Commandments. Moses, who did not, uh, the Lord didn't speak to him in dreams and visions. But the Bible says the Lord spoke to him face to face within Hebrew rooms, mouth to mouth. Which means God says, I speak directly to my servant Moses. Um, but this Moses, even though he was used greatly by God, Moses died in a place called, it's on the screen, Moab. Now, what does Moab mean? Generational curses, which means don't think because things are good that you, watch me, have broken every curse. Don't think that just because you got a little money in the bank that that means that you've broken every curse. Don't think because you have a job that you like that you've broken every curse. You can be used by God and still never accomplish what you were sent to the earth to break, but that will not be your story. I gave you four steps because I'm a how-to guy. Give me the how-to. Give me the one, two, three, four, five. I don't want to read all the paragraph before. I don't want to read all this paragraph after. Give me step. Anybody else like that? Give me the steps. I want to get to the bottom line because I got things to do. Number one, to break generational curses, you got to call it out. And I've taught you this in the series. Why? Because you need to make sure that you recognize when something is a curse versus being a part of your character. To be a curse breaker, you cannot say these words. That's just how I am. you got to scratch that from your vocabulary. When you're a curse breaker, some things have to be called out because you don't even know it's a curse until it's called out as a curse. I walked you through those already in the series. Number two, I taught you to confess it. The Bible says in Leviticus that we are to confess the iniquity of ourselves the things we've practiced, and of the previous generations. Anytime you see fathers, it's referring to the previous generations, which means, God, I see where I have been practicing some generational curses, but I also see where this is at in my daddy. But I also see where this is at in my mama. And it's not being critical. Watch me. It is, watch me. It's, it's the process of being fruitful. I'll back it up and say it again. It's not being critical. So I'm not at all saying you get judgmental because you don't know why certain people did certain things. You don't know why they made the choices they made. You don't know why they made the sacrifices they made. You don't know why they stayed in the relationships that they stayed in. You'd be amazed at why some people stayed in bad relationships because they thought it was going to make a better life for their kids. You ready? You got to call it out. Number three, then you have to change. The scripture says, and I taught you this, make amends. In other words, do something different. You cannot say you're going to be a curse breaker and you not do anything different. See, for some of you, just being in church is part of your change because you don't look at your bloodline and see people that do this. Just serving is a part of your change because you don't look at your bloodline and see people that do this. I, I need you to know you're sitting next to somebody that has already begun to make changes. You're streaming with somebody that has already begun to make changes. And number four, I taught you, you have to choose. Say choose. Deuteronomy 30 and 19. I have set before you what? Life and death, blessing and curse. And then God tells you, choose because choices break curses. Say it with me. Choices break curses. Say it with me. Let's go. Choices break curses. One more time. And to choose like a curse breaker, you have to become better. You're not going to start making better choices if you're not better. While I'm on it, you're not going to be a better Christian if you're not better. You're not going to be a better mother if you're not better. You're not going to be a better father 
if you're not better. You're not going to be a better anything if you're not better. You can only fake it until you make it for so long. And here's what I read in my Bible. God isn't into counterfeits. Y'all not going to say that to me. God wants you to be the real thing. I, in other words, when you speak it, you can walk it like you talk it. I, I wish you look at somebody next to you and say, I'm the real thing. I'm the real thing. I'm the real thing. I'm the real thing. So how does God do that? How does God make you better? Number one, you're created by your heavenly father. Look at this. Galatians 3 and 26. For you who have been born again and have been reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, and the next part of the verse says, and are children of God. Now, let's just take a moment for me to teach this principle. Everybody is God's creation. Not everybody is God's child. Okay, let me just back it up and show it to you. Back it up. Let's go. It says, for you who are what? Born again. What does that mean? Saved. Okay. Uh, uh, um, have been reborn from what? Above. This is why we call it being born again. This is why you get water baptized. It signifies like a woman when she's giving birth, what happens? Her water breaks to announce there's a new birth. Spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified. Let me deal with these words. Transform means uh, I'm no longer who I used to be. Renewed means and I keep getting better every day. Come on, speak this. I'm no longer who I used to be. And I keep getting better every day. I say this often, but it's so good to me when I say it, so I'm going to say it again. I may not be where I want to be. But is there anybody on this Wednesday night that can testify, but I'm glad that I'm not where I used to be. I'm not the same me anymore. I'm transformed, and I'm renewing every single day. But then it also means sanctified. Sanctified means set apart. And when you're set apart, look at me, you're often going to feel like the black sheep. When you're sanctified, say, I'm set apart. You don't move like everybody else. You don't talk like everybody else. You know, and this is not a license to be weird, weird. Because weird is a good word. I taught you that at the beginning of the year. Weird, weird is not. There's some Christians that use, um, use this type of teaching. And they'll use it and say, see, this is why I am the way that I am. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Being the black sheep doesn't mean that you weird, weird. You have met somebody, if you haven't met them, hi. You met somebody that was weird, weird, like, you know, you, you know, they always having these conversations with God and ain't got no fruit. I ain't gonna say nothing to me. They, they, tell, they tell you everything the Lord said, you know, and the Lord just spoke to me. And the Lord said, look up, and I looked up. And then the Lord said, look over, I looked over. The Lord said, look down, and I looked down. And the Lord said, shh, and I said, shh. Then the Lord said, crisscross, and I said, crisscross. And then the Lord said, everybody clap your hand. Because he, he told me to tell you, you're getting ready to have a cha-cha. Like, if you don't sit your weird, weird behind down. Because while you're trying to tell me he, he want me to have a cha-cha, you still ain't busted a move. You still. Sanctified, set apart. I'm different on purpose. I do things with excellence on purpose. Come on, tell your story. I apologize on purpose. 
I don't get it right all the time, and I can own it and fix it on purpose. See, part of being a great Christian doesn't mean that you do everything right. It just means, you know, you're not sinless. We just sin less. Look at the next part of the verse. It says, are all children of God. So he says, to be a child of God, you got to be born again. got to be saved, right? Now, you're set apart for what? His purpose with full, here's the, here's the shout, rights and privileges through faith in Jesus Christ. So earlier in church, you saw me pray for a woman and pray for her healing. Now, some of you may be thinking to yourself, well, why does she deserve a healing? It's a right and a privilege. Y'all better come on. Look at somebody next to you say, I have rights and privileges. See, I didn't do everything right, but his blood covers me because it's a right and a privilege. He'll make my enemies my footstool. Why? That's a right and a privilege. He'll turn my melanin into dancing. That's a right and a privilege. He'll make me the head and not the tail. That's a right and a privilege. Somebody said, I have rights and privileges. Rights mean this belongs to me. A privilege means, and everybody don't have it like that. See, there are some people who look at your life and like, and they're like, see, you deserve to go through all that. And then when the turnaround happened, they're like, why you get that? It's a right and a privilege. And it may not seem right to you, but it's my privilege. It's a lot of talk about privilege in the United States of America, but can I tell you, I got the highest privilege that's available. It's called Christian privilege, and it, it's higher than any other type of privilege that exists. It's higher than racial privilege. It's higher than sexual privilege. I need you to open your mouth, say, I have rights and privileges. I, in Christ Jesus. So watch me. He is our creator. Next, you're conceived by a natural father. God gives you a natural father. You come into the earth, and the bloodline you come in by your natural father. You are in the bloodline you're in on purpose. See, contrary to popular belief, life began before conception. Jeremiah chapter 1, before I formed you, stop right there. See, a lot of people got the argument all wrong. Before I formed you. Before I formed you. Which means I was with God before I ever had a body. I was with God before my mama ever met my daddy. Which means I had to be here. Which means it was impossible for me not to be here because I was sent here on assignment. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I sanctified you. You're in the bloodline you're in because God, see, he does the end before the beginning. See, he's, a, he's at omega before alpha. We're walking from alpha to omega, beginning to end. He started at omega and started walking backward. Now, just to throw this in there for those of you who like deep teaching, let me go deep for you right here. Um, see, when, when you, come here. So you're going to be, you're going to be natural. You're going from, this is alpha to omega. Omega is my chair. Okay. All right. Now, now, now watch me. I'm going to play God. 
I'm going from omega to alpha. You ready? Now, as we are journeying, when these two intersect, you experience a phenomena called deja vu. It is when God lets you know you're in the right place at the right time and there's been an intersectionality that's occurred to where your spiritual experience is intersecting with your natural experience. So anytime that happens, that's God's way of telling you, you right on time, you right on time, you right on time, you right on time, you right on time. So look, so look, so look, so look, so look, so look. Y'all still with me? You're in the bloodline you're in because God, when he was walking this out, he said, who's going to be the interruption? Who's going to be Joseph, Joseph, Joseph? You have 10 brothers that are older than you. You're going to be the 11th. You're supposed to be the dysfunctional one. Because 11 is the biblical number of dysfunction. But you're going to end up being the one that's the most functional, the most favored, and that flourishes the most. See, some of you, people looked at you and thought, oh, you're going to be the one that's toe up. And you're the one that's got win after win after win after win. Hold up. Without any music, I want to check the building and online for the people where somebody in your bloodline, somebody in your family, somebody you grew up with, they literally wrote you off and counted you out. Watch me. And your existence today is proof that they were alive. If that's you, on three, put a praise in the atmosphere without any music to back you. One, two, three. Where you at? Where you at? They said you were going to be the one messed up. You the one running running the business. They said you were going to be the one that wasn't going to do well and you the one bailing them out. I need every person that knows that you've already beaten the odds to holler, I'm the one on three. One, two, three, I'm the one. Say it again. Say, I'm the one. You're in that bloodline because God says, I need a Joseph. I need a David. I need a Moses. I need an Elijah. I need somebody that's going to do something different than the rest of the bloodline. It's on you. So the question becomes, how does God make me better? How do I become? Well, he's your creator. He's your heavenly father. You got here through a natural father. You become through a spiritual father, a shepherd, a man of God. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse number 8. I want to introduce you to a man named Saul. Most of the times when we talk about Saul, we're talking about Saul because of the, one of the mistakes that he made. And what's sad about um, humanity is that we'll often remember people for their greatest failure and miss their victories. Um, you cannot cast away somebody's successes because of their failures. Because let's tell the truth, we all, got some failures. Let's tell the truth. We all got some stuff that we don't want nobody to know about. Nobody. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 9. Now Saul, <coughs> he's on his way to find his father's donkeys. Y'all with me? His father's name is Kish. K-I-S-H. And Kish means power. He's lost his donkeys. His, his donkeys. And in the scripture, this particular type of donkey was an African donkey because where they were is on the African tectonic plate. 
It's the Africanus Equus Africanus. It is, it is this donkey that is an African donkey. Now pay attention. His father loses his donkeys. And when he loses his donkey, he sends his son Saul to go find them. Pay attention. He sends his son Saul to go find them. Donkeys represent the blessing. Donkeys represent, they were like a luxury automobile from a practical standpoint. But here's what else they represent. They represent the strength of the bloodline. Pay attention. He's lost his donkeys. He has lost, watch me, his strength. And who does he send to find it? Saul. He has lost the blessing. Who does he send to get it? Saul. You're going to catch it in a minute. He sends his son to find what he lost. Some of y'all going to catch it in a minute. You're the one that God has on a journey to recover what your previous generations have lost. So they're looking for these donkeys, and Saul goes to find these donkeys with one of his servants. And they cannot find the donkeys. They go to all these different places. They cannot find the donkeys. They're getting ready to go back home. And then the servant answered and said, um, uh, wait a minute. I heard there's a man of God that's in the place that we're in. See, some of you are trying to figure out how did I get to Denver. Some of you are trying to figure out how did I get to this online. How did I, get, how did I click on this? How did my YouTube feed bring this up? Ooh, them algorithms. No, this has been a divine setup. This has been a divine connection. Why? B because uh, the servant says there's a man of God that is in this city. And, um, and this man of God, he's going to tell us our way because the things he says comes to pass. They reply and say, well, what are we going like, to offer to this man of God? What are we going like, to give him? This is where you get the concept of sowing to seal. They said, you don't just go before a man of God and not sow something. Because it is disingenuous to say you are blessed by something if you don't bless what blesses you. The servant answered, I have a small silver coin that I can give to him. And then he will tell us where we can find them. He says, listen, what I have doesn't seem like much, but it's what I have. What I have, we're going to sow this to him, and he's going to seal our next. This is why when you read these praise reports, I can guarantee you they're coming from people that are sowers. I'm just saying, don't get quiet now. They go, and they go, and they're looking for this man of God. The man of God's name is Samuel. And there's something special about Samuel because the scripture says in 1 Samuel 3 and 19 that the Lord is with Samuel and he does not let one of his words fall to the ground. That's what the Bible says. Y'all still with me? Now, it says we're going to take him this silver coin and he's going to tell us our way. So they get into the city. When they get into the city, they're looking for him. And in the scripture at that time, they called the prophet, they called the man of God, they called him the seer. Because the job of a man of God was to see what you couldn't see for you. Was to see what you couldn't see for you. Was to see in you what nobody else saw in you and to preach to that and bring it up out of you. <laughs> it was to make sure that even when you didn't see yourself as a curse breaker, that you knew that you were. And even when other people wrote you off, that you would recognize that God had written you in. So they get to Samuel. And when they get to Samuel, he runs up on him and he doesn't even recognize him. Sometimes what you want is in your face and you don't know it. Sometimes what you need is in your face and you, did not, you do not even know it. The Bible says that literally he asked, do you know what a seer is? 
Sammy replies, it's me. For some of you been wondering, where am I supposed to be? It's me. You ready? Are you still with me? So look at this. They come to Samuel with the intention to find out where are these missing donkeys. My father lost his strength. My father lost the blessing. My father lost his prosperity. My bloodline is a mess. And I've been sent to recover and to rebuild my bloodline. Oh, my God. I can't wait until you're the one that puts your family name back on the map. I can't wait until you're the one that sets up the generations after you so that none of them know what poverty looks like, so that none of them know what lack looks like, so that none of them know what dysfunction looks like. Please open your mouth Wednesday. I'm almost done and say, I'm the one. He says, I'm here, and I'm coming to find out about these donkeys. Because my father, Kish, power, book two, power, lost his donkeys. He lost his strength. He lost the blessing. He lost his prosperity. And he sent me to find it. Because evidently, God's got his money me. Why didn't he send another one of his children? Why didn't he just send servants? That's the job of a servant. See, some of you, you ready? You ready? You ready? You always felt like you got treated worse than. But that's because God needed you to be like Saul. Saul, you were sent to do the duty of a servant, which means you felt like you got treated less than, but that's because you were going to do more. I want to talk to some of you that felt like you got treated different than your siblings. You got treated different than some of your family. You got Can I tell you why? Because God needed to treat you like Saul. He said, I'm going to send you out on the job of a servant. And you're going to be doing way more than a child your age should have to do. But it's because when you get older, you're going to do way more than anybody in your bloodline. Still with me? They're there to find their donkeys. You ready? Look at this, look at this, look at this, verse 20. When he sits with Samuel, Samuel says to him, Hey, what you came to me about that were lost three days ago? This means you've been on a three-day journey. He says, don't even worry about that. They've already been found. In other words, I let you lose them so you can find him. Wednesday. Some of y'all about to work my last nerve. I need you to open. I mean that in a loving way. All right? Come on, come on. I need you to catch this elbow somebody next to you and just say, God, let you lose them to find him. And it's not just God, but it's your man of God. Because had he not lost the donkeys, he never would have been in Zuff. And Zuff is where Samuel was. Had he not lost the donkeys, he never would have been in the right place at the right time to meet the right man that was going to give him the right plan. Can I teach this thing tonight, Wednesday? I only need a few more minutes. Look at this. Verse 27. So they're sitting. They're having a banquet. I'll tell you more about that later. They're having a party. 
you read in the Bible, they had a lot of parties. They had a lot of cookouts. Come on, it's summertime, y'all. It's the time of the cookout. I don't know about you, but is anybody else looking forward to some hot links? And I'm the only one. Looking forward to some ribs and some slaw and some potato salad, if we know who made it, if we know who made it. If we know who made it. You ready? So they had this party. After the party, um, pay close attention to this. Samuel said to Saul, now who's Samuel? Man of God. Who's Saul in the story? You. Who's Saul in the story? You ready? Tell your servant, tell your friend, tell who invited you to harvest, gone. <laughs> tell them people around you, Gone. Come on, I need you to pull a page out of the Southern Dictionary. Say, gone now. So Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. The servant left and Samuel continued. He said, stay here with me a minute and I'm going to tell you what God has said about you. If you skip over, we got a jaywalk because I'm out of time. The first Samuel chapter 10 and verse number six. In between the chapter, the verse we just read and now Samuel reveals God's plan for Saul. What was Saul there to do? Find donkeys. But Samuel tells him, you're not here for donkeys. He said, let me tell you what's about to happen. Can I tell you something Wednesday? He tells him, he says, you're not here for donkeys. God used that to get you to me. He says, you're the one that God has chosen to be, watch me, the first king of Israel. Be a good church. You're the one that God has chosen. There's no other kings in your bloodline. <laughs> There's nobody else that sat in this seat in your bloodline. God has chosen you to be the first. And can I preach it like I want to preach it tonight? The Bible says that Saul began to say to the man of God, Samuel, why are you talking to me like this? He said, your talking is way bigger than I see myself. I came to speak to some of you tonight because you don't even recognize you're bigger than your zip code. You're bigger than your city. You're bigger than your community. You're bigger than what you've been through. You're bigger than one business. You're big. Somebody say, I'm bigger than my zip code. Release your first and last name in the atmosphere. One, two, three, say it. And your name's about to be brought up and your name's being carried into rooms that have the power and the trajectory to change your life. Somebody say, I'm bigger than my zip code. He says, he says, why are you talking to me like this? He says, I'm from the smallest tribe. Benjamin. Ravenous wolf is what that means. Or hungry wolf. Hence the restaurant. Listen. I'm, I'm the, why are you, why are you telling me this? Why are you talking to me like this? Why are you telling me I'm about to be a seven-figure earner? Why are you telling me that I'm the one in my bloodline that's going to be the curse breaker? Why are you telling me that I'm going to be the first one to break these generational curses when I feel like I'm the one that's the curse the most? Why, why, 
Why are you talking to me like this? And I want you to pay attention to Samuel's instructions. First Samuel 10 and 6. Say, I'm becoming. This is how God has you to become. He gets you to your Samuel. And here's what Samuel says to him. Now, Wednesday, this is the message right here. All of what I just did was to get you to the runway. Now, you've been cleared for takeoff. If you don't take off when I teach you, this is the message right here. Somebody say, it's coming up. This is it right here. Suddenly. Now, watch me. Watch me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This ain't about cars. This ain't about cash. This is not about clothes. Watch me. He didn't promise him anything. He promised him he was about to become somebody. He said, suddenly, the spirit of the Lord will take control of you, and you will join in their dancing and shouting. Watch the last part. And you will become a different person. I... He didn't say I'm about to give you a million dollars. He didn't say I'm about to give you a house. He didn't say I'm about to give you a car. He said, let me give you some instructions. He said, the spirit of the Lord is about to take control of you. And you're going to join in their dancing and their shouting. In their praise and their worship. And when you follow my instructions, Harvest, the Bible says you will become a different Can I just get you to release your shout on three? One, two, three. This is why I have you praise like I do. This is why I have you worship like I do. Somebody say, I'm becoming a different person. Look at me, look at me, look at me. This, this, this is it. This is it. This is it. I, I need you to, this is it. Right here. Right here. This is it. Where's that? Suddenly. See, you keep trying. I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to do this. I'm working on this. I'm working on being no battle axe. I'm working on not doing this. I'm working on talking right. I'm working on not doing this. I'm working on not doing this. And God says, I don't have time for all that. How long you been working on being different and still ain't different? How long have you been working on becoming and you still struggling with the same issues year after year after year after year after year? We don't have time for that. Why? Because these next six months are going to be the best six months of your life. Somebody say it can happen just like that. If you sit next to somebody that don't know how to follow instructions, please go sit somewhere else. Look at them and say it can happen just like that. Suddenly, 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 look at me, look at me, suddenly, suddenly, look at me, suddenly, you're going to become a different person. Suddenly, you're going to become a different person. And what you were struggling with, what you were dealing with, what you kept self-medicating, what you kept putting band-aids on, what you kept having distractions with, suddenly you'll become a different person. 
person Wednesday, open your doggone mouth and say, I'm becoming. Look at me, look at me. Look, 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 look. It's only three verses left. It's only three verses left. It's only three verses left. See, see, let me tell you something. Some of y'all, here's why you don't become. Because you, you, you come to church and you do not follow instructions. And this is Wednesday, so allow me to talk to you strong tonight. Because watch me. Because when July hits. I don't need you. I need you to roar. I don't need you talking about woe is me and I can't believe these people did me like that. I need you to say, I'm glad those suckers did me like that. I'm Here we go. Say suddenly. See, we shout about the suddenlies about stuff. Here's the suddenly tonight. You. What if tonight you forgave your daddy? What if tonight you forgave your mama? What if tonight you, you were no longer addicted to substances? What if tonight you were no longer porn addicted? What if tonight? Shout it one more time suddenly. Let's go. Follow the instructions. Look at verse 8. I will meet you. He says, I'm going to meet you. I'm going to meet you every Wednesday. I'm going to meet you every Sunday. I'm going to meet you every Monday night for prayer. He says, and then I'm going to add some meetings. I'm going to add a Tuesday night meeting to give you a preview. And then I'm going to meet you on Saturday night to give you a preview. He says, I'm going to meet you and I'm gonna, we're going to offer burnt sacrifices together. In other words, watch me. He says, so you're praising worship. And then he said, you're sowing and you're serving. See, a burnt, burnt sacrifice. This means things may get a little smoky. It may get a little smoky in your life. But that just means there's a sacrifice on the altar. See, every sacrifice is about to be rewarded. Everything you laid down that you thought you supposed to keep is going to be rewarded. You ready for this one? The life you sacrificed. Who am I talking to tonight? The life that you did not have because of what you had to do. What if I told you that sacrifice was about to pay off in the second half of this? Look at me. He says, wait for me. Seven whole days. <laughs> Not a Stop. He says, for seven days, for seven days, for seven days, I'm not saying anything to you. Let me help you to deal when God is silent. Let me help you to deal with the moments where you're like, God, you won't talk. I don't know. You won't speak. It's unclear. He says, wait for seven days. Wait. He said, because in seven days, I'm going to come and tell you what to do. <laughs> in other words, in other words, I need you to see these messages as instructions. Listen, listen to me, Harvest. We are not a regular people. We are not a regular church. And listen to me clearly. I want to be as unambiguous as I can be. And I don't want to be. You can keep your fake, phony American Christianity to yourself. Give me Bible. Give me God. Give me kingdom. Because I was sent to rule. 
and to reign and to conquer and subdue. You can keep that raggedy stuff for yourself. I ain't about that life. You ready? He says, he says, so let's go back to the previous verse. He says, all right, your praise and worship. Then next, he says, you're sowing and you're serving. And the next, he said, I need you to see these messages as instructions. Look at verse 9. I want you to see this. This, this, is, this is really simple. Say it's super simple. And sometimes the simplest thing is the hardest thing to do. How many of y'all ever at one point knew you needed to eat different as you sat down and ate bad? You're like, I sure don't need to be eating all of this, but I'm sure finna, yeah, give me some more. I'm sure finna make this plate, though. Look, I start tomorrow. Uh. Right? Sometimes the simple thing is the hardest thing to do. But when Saul followed the instructions, look at the screen. God gave Saul a new nature. A new nature means you, you need a new nature. This is why for many of you, certain friendships have grown stale. Certain business relationships have grown stale. Because sometimes when you're a new nature, see look, this has a whole different nature than this. Look at me. He says, God gave Saul a new nature, and everything Samuel had told him happened. Yeah. Let's practice. And these next six months, yeah. I'm your Samuel, you saw. And these next six, y'all need to catch it. And these next six months are going to be the best six months of your life. Every area of your life is going to get better. Every area of your life is about to get better. Every area of your life is about to increase. Everybody, every area of your life is about to overflow. And every area of your life, you're going to have fruit. And every area of your life, you're going to have results. I'm your Samuel. You saw. Ready? And your name is being brought up. And favor is finding you. If you pay attention, I've been repeating a lot of the same things over and over again because I need you to recognize what you need to be on the lookout for. An opportunity is opening for you. And debts are being canceled from you. And you're not participating in inflation. And you're not participating in recession. In fact, you're going to prosper just like we prospered in the pandemic. You're going to prosper in these next six months. This is, I pray, Rosheke, anda bahaya. That when the market go low, you go high. Oh, my God. I pray that when the market is acting crazy, your stuff gets better. I pray when everybody else is panicked, you start going up. Uh, open your mouth, please. Say these next six months. God gave. Who saw? A new nature. I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention. He meets him on a Sunday. Let's just go with the story. It doesn't say what day. He meets him on a Sunday. All right? Now, three days, 
prior, he lost his donkeys. His father lost his donkeys. He meets him on a Sunday in our story. He says, I'm going to give you these instructions. He says, come back and see me a week from today. He says, when you come back and see me, I'm going to tell you what to do. Samuel tells him what to do because when Saul was sitting at the feet of Samuel, he didn't take it for granted. When Saul was sitting at the feet of Samuel, he didn't, he didn't think he's going to always be there. Uh-oh. When Saul was sitting at the feet of Samuel, he recognized what, what I'm experiencing other people would love to experience. When Saul was sitting at the feet of Samuel, he recognized this is not just some church experiment, some church service. This is about the whole trajectory of my life changing. And the Bible says that he followed the instructions. So seven days later, so total of 10 days from when his father lost his donkey. I'm giving you the math because I want you to see it don't take God that long. Only reason it's taking so long is because of you. You ready? Tell somebody on the solar say, but your delay is over. <laughs> come on, Facebook. Come on, YouTube. We're about to go. But I just need you to make this declaration say, and my delay is over. I'm coming over here, and your delay is over. I'm coming to the middle, and your delay is over. I'm tapping to every section in the building and online, and your delay is over. Put a praise behind that right there. Go. We got to go. We got to go. Verse 11. Verse 11. Verse 11. People who had known him before saw him doing this. Now, what is the this? So, literally, Saul came to Samuel looking for donkeys. Samuel says to Saul, there's more in you. Not only is there a king in you, there's a prophet in you. See if I can say it another way. Not only are you spiritual, you also successful. You're both. And so Samuel, Samuel put Saul amongst the prophets. And so all of a sudden, here he is prophesying amongst the prophets. Here he is, no previous church experience, prophesying amongst the prophets. Here he is, don't look like normal church, prophesying amongst the prophets. I'm so glad you don't look the way they think you should. I'm so glad you don't dress the way they think you should. You don't talk the way they think you should. I'm so glad you don't fit the mold because you were sent to break the mold. I'm so glad you're different. I'm so glad you're different. People who had known him before saw him doing this, and they asked one another, who this? What has happened to the son of Kish? Notice how they call him. They didn't call him Saul. They called him by his curses. They didn't call him Saul. They called him by what everybody else in his bloodline was caught up in. 
They didn't call him Saul. They called him by everything they expected him to be. But he's exceeded their expectations. And you, Wednesday, you, Harvest, you are going to exceed the expectations that people have on you. Look at me. And that you have on yourself. Quiet as it's kept, quiet as it's kept, quiet as it's kept. You beat on your chest a lot, but you really wonder if you have what it takes. Quiet as it's kept. Oh, let's just keep it 100. Quiet as it's kept. You always letting everybody know, I got this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Go queen, go king, let's go. You doing all of that, but quiet as it's kept, you wonder, is God going to back me up? I wish there were some real people in this building. There's some real people online. If I step out on faith, is she going to let me fall? I, where are the real people at in this building? They looked at him. I'm done. And they said to him, they said, what has happened to the son of Kish, to the one that was supposed to be locked up, to the one that was supposed to be strung out, to the one that was supposed to be in a bad relationship? To the one that was supposed to have money but secretly wanted to commit suicide every night with their nice car and their nice house. To one that was bougie and bougie was only a front for feeling like a failure. To the one that was not supposed to make it. To the one who that abusive marriage was supposed to wear you out, wear you down, and make you quit. To the one that was supposed to give up on everybody and everything. To, to what has happened? What has happened? What has happened to the son of Kish? Look at me, Wednesday. You ready? What has happened to you? He became another person. He became a curse breaker. Look at me. Look at me. First one. He was so scared of being king, he ran and hid. He was so scared of being king that when Samuel was getting ready to announce the new king, so just, just, just pretend, I'm Samuel, you saw. He's so scared. The Bible says he's hiding behind somebody's luggage. <laughs> Samuel, Samuel comes out, and Samuel's like, I want to announce, hear ye, hear ye, O Israel. Israel means Hebrew. Adonai, Adonai. It's a new king today that I want to announce. And I'm super excited about what he's about to do for us. He's going to be our first king, y'all. We've never had a king. We've only had judges. So that means he's not only going to just be the first in his bloodline, he's going to be the first in the nation. What if your neighbor had the anointing to be the first in the nation? Just, just speak it over him, please. Touch him on the shoulder and say, you'll be the first. You'll be the first. Come on online. You'll be the first. You'll be the first. Not just the first in your bloodline. The first in Denver. The first in Atlanta. The first in America. You will be the Yeah. Here it is. Samuel's like, and we're super excited about our new king. Where's he at? <laughs> Y'all, hold on. You like Tarazi on the BET Awards. I lost my teleprompter. Hold on. Oh, I guess y'all didn't watch. Okay. I didn't. I just saw the clip. Listen. Listen. They're looking for him. Where's he at? And for some of you, here it is. 
the new you. For some of you all, the new you has been hiding. Hiding behind what? Baggage. Hiding behind what? You're hiding behind all of these things. Samuel's like, where is this dude at? He got me all out here. They got all these people out here. Got all this, got all this band playing. All this stuff costs money. <laughs> he just got me out here. Where is he at? The man of God, listen to me. I'm Samuel. You saw. Samuel had to call him out and tell him, get up. Come out of your hiding place. You curse breaker you. And I need you to come take your position. Because you're about to reign. Can I say it how I want to say it? You're about to rule and reign and conquer and subdue. Everybody on your feet. 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 <sighs> Say, I'm becoming. Hear me. Hear me clearly. You're assigned to me, and I'm assigned to you. All right? So let's just settle that. Now, my assignment is simple. My assignment is to make sure you become. And I need you to hear me clearly. Hear the urgency of this. In 10 days, this man went from just being a guy looking for some donkeys. Can, after church, I'm going to say it another way. But I can't say it on the live. So after church, when they drop it, <laughs> shut your mouth. I saw you. I sensed it in my spirit. <laughs> He's looking for donkeys. He chasing. Listen. Donkeys. Listen. 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 So Samuel's job was to make sure he began. It took him 10 days to go from looking for donkeys. sitting on a throne. And he didn't need nobody else to put him on. I rebuke you thinking you need somebody to co-sign for you. I rebuke you thinking you need somebody to put you on. No, you're going to have your own key. I'm glad they didn't help you. I'm glad they didn't support you. Because then they would have got the glory and said, you're doing good because of me. God is going to make sure that nobody else gets the glory but him. Hear me. Hear me. Suddenly, he became, put that scripture up. Suddenly, he became a different person. Suddenly. For those of you that say, 
Lord, I'm not asking you for nothing right now except make me who I need to be for these next six months. And if you did it suddenly for Saul, I'm Samuel in the story, you Saul in the story, he can do the same thing for you tonight. With your hands lifted and your mouth open, if you want to become the curse breaker, become what God created you to be, and that's different for every person. If that's you, I'm going to give you 60 seconds, and I want your worship, your praise, your shout. Some of you, you're going to need to get out of their seat and get in the aisle. Some of you, you're going to need to get to this altar. Some of you going to need to kneel at your seat. But I just want us to take 60 seconds when I count to three. Say, suddenly, he became a different man. Lord, if you did that for Saul, after Samuel spoke it, when my Samuel speaks it, you'll do it for me. So let me speak it over you with your hands lifted, Wednesday. And you shall become another man. And you shall become another woman and you shall be given a new nature the old you shall fall then the new you shall arise the old you shall fall and the new you shall arise in jesus name now on three let your worship reflect your change one two three go 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 you've had and I pray you will not live according to your addictions and I curse the fear that was in you and you will not live in fear and you will not walk in fear but God has given you power and love and a sound mind come on Wednesday I need you to push one more time one two three push go go another man you're becoming another man you're becoming another man becoming another man another man another man another man another man say it say it another a different A different man. I need you to say it.
Now shout in this building and shout at your house. Another man, a different man, a better man, a strong man, a powerful man, a man of God, a man of God, a woman of God, a woman of God, a I pray that this is sealed. Say this Wednesday. Say, lock this in me, God. I don't need you. I don't need you wavering. I pray he locks this in you tonight. I pray he locks this in you tonight. Say, I'm a different person. A better one. Say, and Samuel spoke it, and it was so. Lift your hands. We're about to go. And you are another man. And I pray when you wake up, you won't be stressed about what stressed you today. Please, Wednesday, follow my instructions. Lift your hands. Bishop, why am I lifting my hands? Two Hebrew words for lifting your hands. One is to release one is to receive. I know we're over time. I planned on being down, done a long time ago, but I had to fulfill my assignment because I'm not going to stand in front of the Lord and say, I didn't do it. I have to answer to him regardless of what people do. And you are another man. And you are a different man. You're a different woman. You're a better woman. You'll manage your finances better. You'll manage your emotions better. You'll manage your business better. You'll manage your family better. You'll manage your serving better. You'll manage your time better. It didn't take Saul years. Because the seat for him had a window. Hear me clearly. And I have to get into this on Sunday. You can put your hands down for just a moment. Okay, you just put one up on a against the lane. Put that hand up on the against the lane. <laughs> you know, when you get to little, you know, like you're cruising down the street. You understand? Listen to me. You only have a you only have a window of so much time. And if you miss this window, you die in Moab. What do you mean? Sam, Saul, if you play these games and take too long, you'll miss your window. Hear me, Wednesday. I pray. Come on. You can go all the way up and put it on that lane. You won't miss your window. bowed and eyes closed in this building online. If you need to become a Christian for the first time, recommit yourself to the Lord or be sure. On three, I'm going to ask that you just throw your hand up in the building online. Do the hand with the emoji and say it's me. Say, I'm another person. Say, suddenly. Some of you, you ain't even going to drive home the same way. And you're not even going to do it on purpose. 
you're going to be intending to go the way you normally go, and then all of a sudden you're going to take a different turn. It's almost going to be like, what does what the Bible say? And the Spirit of God will take control of you. Say, God, take control. You're about to agree to things the normal you wouldn't agree to. You're about to sign up for things the normal you wouldn't sign up for. You're about to complete some things the normal you would not do. But tonight you are becoming another person. You need to become a Christian. Recommit yourself a little or be sure. On the count of three, we're about to go throw your hands up in the air or do the hand wave emoji. One, two, three. If that's you, hand up in this building. If you need to become a Christian, recommit yourself to the Lord or be sure. Online, online, you do the hand wave emoji or say it's me. I got digital ambassadors on every platform for you. Everybody, pray this for me. Say, Father, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for your love for me. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe the word tonight. If you did it for Saul, oh, you can do it for me. It won't take me to the end of the year. It won't take me to the end of this decade. I believe that tonight the Spirit will take control and I will become a different person. For three of you tonight, for three of you tonight, you're going to have conversations with people after church and you're going to tell them, oh, I was in church. And they're going to literally say these words to you. And when they do, I want you to just shout, then send your praise report. Don't forget to do the second part. They're going to say to you, you seem different. When they say that to you, just put a praise behind it and say, thank you. You just prayed that prayer, recommitted yourself to the Lord. Text the word decision to 877-552-4746 or scan that QR code. Some Did you make a decision to become a Christian for the first time or recommit your life to Jesus? We want to help you make Christianity a lifestyle and not just a hobby. So just text the word decision to 877-552-4746 and we'll send simple next steps so you know what to do next. We're praying for you and congratulations. Remember, your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.